Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Chapter 12 of A Series of Unfortunate Events, The Bad Beginning. As Violet and Klaus Baudelaire, still in their nightgowns and pajamas, backstage at Count Olaf's theater, there they were two minds, a phrase which meant they felt two very different ways at the same time. In one hand, they were of course filled with dread. From the murmur of the voices they heard on stage, the two Baudelaire orphans could tell that the performance of the marvelous marriage had begun and it seemed too late to do anything to foil Count Olaf's plan. On the other hand, however, they were fascinated as they had never been backstage in a theater theatrical production and there was so much to see. That doesn't sound like exciting, huh? Bojadoof, a creepy man, adopted you and said that you had to marry him. Hmm. Hmm. Mom, I don't know. Oh my gosh. This what is do you I don't know. This is just terrible. Exactly. I would say, like, find Mr. Poe. Stop. All right. On the other hand, however, they were fascinated because they had never been so much to see. Members of Count Olaf's theater troupe hurried this way and that, too busy to even glance at the children. Three very short men were carrying a large flat of wood, a, a large flat piece of wood painted to look like a living room. The two white-faced women were arranging flowers in a vase that were far apart, appeared to be marble, but up close they looked more like cardboard. And an, import, and an important-looking man with warts all over his face was adjusting his, the enormous light fixtures. As the children peeked on stage, they could see Count Olaf in his fancy suit, declaiming some lines from the play, just as the curtain came down, controlled by a woman with very short hair who was pulling on a long rope attached to a pulley. Despite their fear, you see the two oldest Baudelaire were very interested in what was going on and only wished that they were not involved in any way. As the curtain fell, Count Olaf strode on strode off stage and looked at the children. It's the end of Act Two, and why aren't these orphans in their costume? He hissed as the two white-faced women, the audi- then the audience, broke into applause. His angry expression turned to one of joy, and he walked back on stage. Gesturing to the short-haired woman to raise the curtain, he strode to the exact center of the stage and took an elaborate bow as the curtain came up. He waved and blew kisses to the audience as the curtain came down onto his face, And then his face filled with anger again. Intermission is only only 10 minutes, he said, and then the children must perform. Get them into their costumes quickly. Without a word, the two white-faced women grabbed Violet and Klaus by their wrist and led them into the dressing room. The room was dusty but shiny, covered in mirrors and tiny lights so that the actors could see better to put on their makeup and wigs. And there were people calling out to one another and laughing. As they changed their clothes, one white-faced woman yanked Violet's arm up and pulled her nightgown off of her head and thrust a dirty, lacy white dress at her to put on. Klaus, meanwhile, had pajamas removed by the white-faced woman and was hurried, 
hurriedly stuffed into a blue sailor suit that itched and made him look like a toddler. Isn't this exciting, said a voice, and the children turned to see Justice Strauss, all dressed up in her judge's robe and powered, powdered wig. She was clutching a small book. You children look wonderful. So do you, said Klaus. What's that book? Oh, the, why, those are my lines, said Justin, Justice Strauss. Count Olaf told me to bring a law book and read a real wedding ceremony in order to make the play as realistic as possible. All you have to say, Vile, it is I do, but I have to make a quite I have to make quite a speech. This is going to be such fun. You know what would be such fun, said Violet carefully, if you change the lines around a little. Klaus's face lit up. Yes, Justice Strauss. Be creative. There's no reason to stick to the legal ceremony if it's not a real wedding. Justice Strauss frowned. Well, I don't know about that, children, she said. I think it would be best to follow Count Olaf's instructions. After all, he is in charge. Justice Strauss, a voice called. Justice Strauss, please report to the makeup artist. Oh, my word, I get to wear makeup, Justice Strauss said on a dreamy expression, as if she were about to be crowned queen instead of just having some powders and creams smeared on her face. The children, children, I must go see you on stage. Justice Strauss ran, ran off, leaving the children to finish changing into their costumes. One white-faced woman put a flower headdress on Violet, who realized in horror that the dress had changed into was a bridal gown. The other woman had put a sailor cap on Klaus, who gazed in one of the mirrors, astonished at how ugly he looked. His eyes met those of Violet, who was looking in the mirror as well. What can we do? Klaus said quietly. Pretend to be sick. Maybe they call off the performance. Count Olaf would know that we were up to it, said Violet grumpily. Act three of The Marvelous Marriage by Al Funkoot is about to begin. A man with a clipboard shouted, Everyone, please get in your places for act three. The actors rushed out of the room and grabbed the white, and the white-faced woman grabbed the children and hustled them out after them. The backstage area was in complete pandemonium, in a, a word which meant actors and stagehands running around attending to last-minute details. The bald man with the long nose hurried by the children and then stopped himself, looked at Violet in her wedding dress, and smirked. No funny stuff, he said, then wagging his bony finger. Remember, when you go there, just do exactly what you're supposed to do. Count Olaf will be holding his walkie-talkie during the entire act. If you do even one wrong thing, he'll be giving Sunday... Sunny, a call up in the tower. Yes, yes, Klaus said bitterly. He was tired of being threatened in the same way over and over again. You'd better do exactly as I planned, said the man again. I'm sure they will, said a voice suddenly as the children turned to see Mr. Poe dressed very formally and accompanied by his wife. He smiled at the children and came over to shake their hands. Polly and I just want to tell you to break a leg. What? Klaus said alarmed. It's a, it's a theater term, Mr. Poe explained, meaning good luck on tonight's performance. I'm glad that you children have just adjusted to life with your new father and that you are participating in, in family activities. Mr. Poe, Klaus said quickly, Violet and I have something to tell you. It's very important. What is it, said Mr. Poe? Yes, said Count Olaf. What is it that you have to tell Mr. Poe, children? Count Olaf appeared seemingly 
out of nowhere, and his shiny eyes glared at the children dreadfully in one hand. In one hand, Violet and Klaus could see he had a walkie-talkie. Just that we appreciate you all and all you have done for us, Mr. Poe, Klaus said weakly. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, of course, of course, said Mr. Poe, patting him on the back. Well, Polly and I better take our seats. Break a leg, Baudelaire's. I wish we could break a leg, Klaus whispered to Violet and Mr. Poe. Okay, is her snoring getting louder and louder? Oh my gosh. Oreo. Oreo. You're snoring really loud. <laughs> you will see soon enough, Count Olaf said, pushing the children towards the stage. The other actors were milling about, finding their places for acting for act three, and Justice Strauss was off in a corner practicing her lines from her law book. Klaus took a look at the stage, wondering if anyone could be there. The bald man with the long nose took Klaus's hand and led him to one side. You and I will stand here for the duration of the act. That means the whole thing. I know what the word duration means, said Klaus. No nonsense, said the bald man. Klaus watched his sister in her wedding gown take... Okay. <laughs> I don't want to call him Hookie because what if people are reading along? I'll say Hookie, the hook-handed man. How about that? Um, no nonsense, the bald man said. Klaus watched his sister in her wedding gown take her place in the next to next account Olaf as the curtain rose. Klaus heard applause from the audience as Act Three of the Marvelous Marriage began. It will be of no interest to you that I describe the actions of this insipid. The word insipid means dull and foolish. Play by Al Funkoot because it was a dreadful play and of no real importance. No real importance to our story. Various actors and actresses performed by very dull dialogue and moved across the seat as Klaus tried to make eye contact with them to see if they would help. He soon realized that his plan must be chosen merely as an excuse for Count Olaf's evil plan and not for his entertainment value. As he sensed the audience losing interest and in moving around their seats, Klaus turned his attention to the audience to see whether any of them would notice. Some noticed something was afoot, but the way the wart-faced man began arranging the lights to prevent Klaus from seeing the face in the auditorium, he could only make one dim outline of the people in the audience. Count Olaf had a great number of very long speeches, which he performed with elaborate gesture and facial expressions. No one seemed to notice that he held up a walkie-talkie the entire time. Finally, Justice Strauss began speaking, and Klaus saw that she was reading directly from the legal book. Her eyes were sparkling and her face flushed as she performed on stage for the first time. Too stage struck to realize that she was part of Olaf's plan. She spoke in and on and on about Olaf and Violet caring for each other in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, and all of those things that were said that so many people who decide, for one reason or another, to get married. When she finished her speech, Justice Strauss turned to Count Olaf and said, Do you take this woman to lawfully, to be your lawfully wedded wife? I do, Count Olaf said, smiling. Klaus saw Violet shudder. Do you, Justice Strauss said, turning to Violet, take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? I do, Violet said. Klaus clenched his fist. His sister had said, I do. 
in the presence of a judge, and once she signed the official document of the wedding was legally valid, and now Klaus could see that Judge Strauss was taking the document from the other from the actors, holding it out to Violet for Violet to sign. Don't move an inch, the bald man ordered Klaus, and Klaus thought of the poor Sonny dangling on the tower and stood still as he watched Violet take a long quill pen from Count Olaf. Violet's eyes were wide as she looked down on the document, and her face was pale, and her left hand was trembling as she signed her name. Okay, I think that's going to be of importance. What do you think? Is that it? No, we have one more chapter. Do you, is that the end of the movie? No. You've seen the movie. No, I meant like, is that the end of the chapter? Yeah, that's the end of the chapter. Okay. <laughs>